welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. A reality for many Boomer women is the role of caregiver. It could be one or both of your parents. At our age, it could be a spouse, or for some, it might be a close friend. If it's your current reality, you might be exhausted. If it's in your future, perhaps you're nervous or blissfully naive. Whatever the caring role, if your loved one has dementia, the path ahead of you is a windy one. With its highs and lows, the rewards are both great and sometimes seemingly non-existent. Many of you know I walked that path with my mother. My guest today walked that path with her father. Nancy Poland, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Thank you, Agnes, and thank you for having me here today. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Now, I read in your bio that you were caregiver for grandparents and parents. Were you ever caregiving multiples, or was it usually one person at a time needing assistance? Well, both of my parents aged together. So my mother, she had, you know, kind of numerous physical problems. Her spine was deteriorating, and she had high blood pressure issues and some other problems, And then my father was diagnosed with dementia. He was first diagnosed with vascular dementia. So the same time he was declining mentally, she was declining physically, and then she actually ended up with kidney cancer. So yes, it was a double whammy. Wow. Yeah, it's really, really tough. We're going to talk about your dad today because of the dementia aspect. Could you tell us about your dad? Sure. Well, my dad was an amazing person. He was born before the Depression era. So he grew up at a big farm in northern Minnesota with nine kids. He was the fourth of nine. And just from a young age, he learned how to be an entrepreneur. He, he and his brothers sold newspapers, and they even sold lefsa, which is a Norwegian bread that is grilled flat. And they just did all sorts of things to help with money. And then when he was out of... His last year of high school, actually, he rolled in the Navy, which was right at the end of World War II. So he was in the Navy for about 20 months. He didn't end up going overseas, always to his disappointment. But when he got out, he, you know, was a lot of, like a lot of the other post-World War II folks. He married my mom, and they subsequently had four daughters. And when I was five years old, he started his own business. So he was just an amazing person. He was a businessman. He, you know, had his veterans experience behind him. He loved, as we found out later in life, he loved to write poetry and he liked to make things with his hands. So he just, you know, even though he only barely graduated from high school, he was very intelligent and did a lot of things with his life. 
It's pretty amazing that generation. Uh, in many ways, they had to either make do or figure out a way around hurdles or over or under them or something. And yeah, just the resourcefulness. And did you know sort of how cool he was as a kid, like when you were a child? Well, not really. You know, he was just dad. You know, yeah. he worked a lot. He was gone a lot at work because he had his own business. And I write in my book, I wrote a book called Dancing with Louie about his dementia. And I wrote about the alien dad when I was a teenager, which, of course, a lot of us think our parents parents are aliens, you know, because <laughs> he wouldn't let me listen to certain music or, you know, he didn't want me going here and there. And I just thought, oh, he and I just you know, had nothing in common. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, it, you know, I guess you don't really learn to appreciate a parent till you're older and even you appreciate more after they're gone. Yeah, yeah. Even when you have your own kids, right? Yeah, that's for sure. When you have your own kids, and you don't uh, let them go to certain places or do certain things, you're not going to date till you're thirty. Oh, no. you're not going to that concert by yourself. You know that kind yeah. of thing. So, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. so did you have any experience with dementia before it consumed your dad? Not so much. My grandfather died. I was only nine years old when he died and they said back then he had hardening of the arteries. So I just remember a couple of times seeing him and kind of bowing to the bed and they, you know, at that time I thought he had heart disease. So I just thought that must be it. You know, looking back, I'm sure he had some kind of dementia, but you know, I was too young and they didn't understand things then, you know, so not directly, you know, know a few people like at church or something that would, you know, but we just kind of thought I was aging. So I didn't, and my, none of my other grandparents seemed to have dementia. So, you know, we didn't have a lot of experience in that area. Yeah. I, I sometimes wonder too, that I grew up with the, the phrase second childhood. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in retrospect now, those yeah. people probably had dementia. Of some sort, oh yeah. I know. think so. Yeah. And you know, we don't know when my dad started. No, for a while I said, Oh, he's in male menopause. Cause like he kind of, his business declined and he started doing all sorts of other things you know, grinding crystal and, you know, getting more of a social life. And it's like, looking back, I think, you know, some of that was just his brain wasn't functioning right. But of course, we didn't know that then. Yeah, we yeah. just thought he's oh, you know, he's entering his second phase of life and hmm. having a good time. Yeah, yeah. Now your dad had dementia with Louis bodies. Yeah, so could... they, oh, no, I was just going to ask, no, no, I was okay. just going to ask if you could unpack that for, for the I listeners. certainly could. So when he was first diagnosed in his late 70s, they said he had vascular dementia, which is like mini strokes in the brain. And they did an MRI and they could see some of these white matter strokes. You know, and he just kept getting, you know, worse and worse. And, you know, it went on for about six years. And towards the end, he was almost paralyzed. It's almost Parkinsonian, which they're now finding the two are very much related, Lewy body and Parkinson's. And so by the end of his life, he couldn't even move his hands or his legs or anything so come to find out louis body is it's like these red proteins that clump up in the brain as opposed to alzheimer's that's tangles and plaques it attacks different parts of the brain and you might have heard about robin williams who died of louis body dementia I watched his documentary they said the man was so intelligent that he kept growing like new neurons in his brain so you know, people knew something was wrong, but they didn't really know what. And, you know, his wife didn't know he had it till after he died. So, you know, Louis body, yeah, can attack the physical, the motor skills, the thinking, 
it could attack different things and different people and it can change. So, you know, it seems like it, it's still very much of a mystery, I think, to the medical community, but they're finding more and more about it. And it's, it's a really sad disease. Yeah, yeah. The word insidious comes to mind. Yeah, um, yes. And there, there is no pattern, I take it. Not really. You know, you just, you know, for a while he'd be okay and he'd function. And my mother died before him. So that was like a big downhill turn. But then he kind of adjusted and he was in assisted living and he was doing fine till something happened. We don't know if he had strokes or if his brain just taxed certain part of his brain. But, you know, then that was about a year and a half before he died. You know, he just went downhill really fast. So my dad got to the point where he couldn't move. He was like frozen in in his wheelchair. He couldn't um, stand up. He couldn't eat. He couldn't, you know, do anything for himself, which was very, very heartbreaking for a person who, you know, had been so independent. And I mean, he was definitely like Mr. Independent Dad and businessman. So yeah, it was a very difficult time. You mentioned the emotional toll of caregiving. Um, I had a whole career in elder dementia care. Um, And my caregiving, my own mother, dragged me through the weeds like my career never did. Um, How did you do with your dad? Well, it it was just heartbreaking. And I started getting depressed. And part of it was probably, you know, middle age kind of hormonal things. But once my mother passed away, it was like I was just crying all the time. I, you know, cry at a sad commercial or somebody say something. And finally, one day at work, um, somebody came up and said, oh, what's the matter? And I'm like, my computer won't boot up. But I just started to cry. And I finally realized, okay, this is not normal. Um, I've been through a lot between my mom and her cancer and dying and my dad's dementia and moving him. You know, that I finally realized I was probably somewhat clinically depressed. So I did see the doctor and get some medication. And, you know, it's just tried to talk to people for a while. My mom and I went to a support group, you know, to talk about my dad's dementia. So I tried to help her as I was helping him. So, yeah, it's just, it's very difficult on families. You know, and luckily I was blessed with three sisters that we all got along quite well. Good. No, not all families do. And that's, you know, to be expected. People might disagree on where parents are going to live or how they're going to be treated or, you know, what's going to happen at the end of life. So, you know, it, it definitely takes its toll. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned, you know, that you managed to get some meds for de- depression. You and your mom went uh, to some sessions. What other advice do you have for caregivers who are struggling with those emotional highs and lows? You know, my advice is to get as much help as you can. You know, don't be afraid to ask, you know, another sibling or somebody to, you know, spend time with it, whether it be your parent or your spouse or whoever it might be. Um, you know, try to find maybe some respite care. You know, there's nothing wrong with if you're taking care of somebody in the home that somebody comes in for a weekend or you go away or they go to, you know, a home for a weekend. And you just really, you have to be kind to yourself because if you get yourself so run down and so exhausted, you can't effectively care for your loved one, much less yourself or, you know, I still had a teenager at home at the time. You know, it's hard to take care of your family when you're so stressed out. So you all say, okay, take care of yourself. But I think people just have to find real practical ways to do that. 
Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned siblings because I had a brother that I would literally, when I knew I was getting close to the end of my rope, I would pick up the phone, I'd go out to the carport, I'd phone him and say, you need to get over here now. And he was semi-retired at the time. So it was like literally eight minutes later, his truck pulled in the driveway. So I was really lucky with that. So yeah, some caregivers actually hit rock bottom where, have you encountered any of that? Like, do you know people? I've seen people just reach the state of exhaustion. Um, I've seen, you know, through my, I speak now, I'm an Alzheimer's Association volunteer community educator. I've really just been able to get out and talk to people. I just met a gentleman who was 91 who took care of his wife with Alzheimer's for 10 years. And he said, by the end, you know, we had to put her in a home. I just couldn't do it anymore. And, you know, people get to the point where they're they're so exhausted or they're older, they might be getting frail themselves or they may, you know, like my dad, none of us could have lifted him. He was still, you know, pretty strong guy, (laughs) even as he got more mentally frail. You know, he had done physical labor, setting ceiling tile, lifting boxes all his life. And there's no way any of us could have lifted him to the toilet or to the bed or anything. So yeah, people have to recognize that you've done your best, but you know, if the care is beyond you or you're getting sick and exhausted, you need to take some additional steps. And I think just you mentioning, you know, you could not physically transfer your dad at all. And that's right. a really important thing. Like for the caregiver, we, I think the, the fact that we sometimes push ourselves to the limit, you know, emotionally, but you have to acknowledge the fact that there comes a time when, you know, maybe lifts and like all that professional equipment they have in care facilities. That's the only thing that's going to keep them safe because it's not only you, but if you tried to transfer your dad and, you know, you dropped him. So it sounds like you would just drop him, but I just mean that oh, but you know, yeah, yeah. size and he, everything else. Yeah. He broke a hip or something or yeah. one of us threw our backs out. That would be just adding problems to problems to problems. So, you know, p- people just, they do need to recognize we all have limitations. You know, and that would be my message to people. You know, it's okay to get help. It's okay to get a caregiver to come in and bathe your loved one. If that's not something you're comfortable doing or are able to do. It's okay to have meals delivered. You know, it, those, it's okay, you know, if it helps your quality of life. Yeah. And I think, too, just the fact that, you know, you've done as much as you can means you should go to bed at the end of the day with a clear conscience, even if you have put them in a facility because the professional care, whether it's emotional or physical, is, is necessary. Right. Now, speaking of the, the physical I just mentioned we know about the emotional uh, cost. Yeah. How about the physical cost? Did, was there any physical cost for you? Um, not so much other than just sometimes exhaustion. Oh. When my mom was getting towards the end and she was in the hospital three weeks. So, you know, we'd run to the hospital and we'd run, bring our dad food and, you know, just the stress of it all. We knew she was dying and what was going to happen next. So it, it was more... You know, they never got to the point where I had to try to lift my parents or anything, but it was just more trying to tend to their daily caregiving needs and make sure they had food and, you know, make sure they had their medications and, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah, but it, it can wear on you physically, too. Yeah. I, I guess my next question would be, uh, gee, did you ever just go on a little bit of a fast food bend, bend because, you know, like, oh, for sure. you, you know, it's like, oh, you're so exhausted at the thought of yeah. going home and 
you know, you take such good care of other people and then you go home and it's just like, you're done. So you, Oh yeah. Don't know oh yeah. I'm a stress eater. So when I get stressed, I'm like, okay, I'm picking up some ice cream on the way home or I'm just going to drive through the fast food place and get some greasy burger when I know it's not good for me. Yeah. We tend to ignore our own needs and yeah. so, yeah. So worried about my parents getting a good dinner that I'm too tired to cook when I get home. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, that reflects on you, but it also reflects on your family because you still have family. Sure. Yeah. Your immediate family. So it's yes. a, a tough one. Your caregiving has also included a premature son and a foster child. So yes. with that much experience, you are certainly qualified to write a book, which you did twice. Yes, two books. <laughs> now, now you mentioned Dancing with Louie earlier. And because we're audio, I will add that Louie is spelled L-E-W-Y as in Louie Body. Tell us about the book, please. So I, I knew when I was going through this with my dad, I'd always wanted to write a book. And I thought, I need to share this experience with other caregivers. I need to let them know that you know, there was a lot of father-daughter dynamics. You know, we didn't always see eye to eye. As he got, you know, more into the dementia, he was just very stubborn and you didn't want help. And, you know, just the whole sorrow of the dementia, if they call it, you know, the long goodbye or, you know, you're grieving for years. I just thought, you know, I have to tell the story. So I took some notes and I wrote some outlines, but it actually took six years till after he died, I actually started writing. And I started writing a blog. And then after I did that, I turned it into the book. And I, I just thought, and then, you know, it's hard too, to write a book about your family, because how much do you say or what don't you say? And, you know, there's some privacy concerns. So it, it, I went back and forth a lot, talked to my sisters a lot. And, you know, but I finally decided, you know, I just, I need to encourage people to know that, that there is hope after that. Um, I'm a Christian, so a lot of it involves my faith. You know, it involves ways to help with caretaking needs, you know, that type of thing. So I just thought maybe I can help some people with the book. So it took you six years to get going. How long did it take you to sort of pull it all together? You know, given the fact that you, you are back and forth with your siblings. Yep, yep. You know, it, took, it didn't take that long. When I wrote the blog... I thought, okay, this will be easier just to write a blog first. So I wrote the blog post and I spent one, three days, I locked myself to an Airbnb. I was going to a conference. So I just wrote and wrote and wrote. It just poured out of me. And so, you know, that probably took about six months to post that and do that. And then I thought, well, I could turn this into a book. Well, that's harder because a book is written differently than a blog. I mean, a blog is a little more informal and I could throw other things in. Whereas the book, you know, has to be very structured. So I probably took another year to get the book written. And my sister's a proofreader, so she proofed it as we went along. I did hire a professional editor to help me. But I started the whole thing in 2018. It came out in 2020. So it took about two years. Now, I think I read somewhere on your website that some of your dad's poetry is in the book. When did you realize he wrote poetry? Well, at one point in time, my one of my sisters had put together just a little bound book for us, for our sisters, of about 48 of his poems. So I had had that for years. So I went through and, you know, I wanted to cap- capture the essence of my dad. You know, that he was a person. He was a real person who had this big personality. And he was also had a very creative mind. So I 
brought in some of the poetry as we went. So like the first one is where he was raised, which was Brainerd, Minnesota, a small town in Minnesota. And then I put in a couple of poems like about his mom and dad. You know, he was very patriotic, so he loved to write. He wrote a poem about a soldier that died. He wrote one about Betsy Ross and the flag. So I kind of wove the poetry in, I think, just to give some of his personality. I was just thinking how cool that, you know, like, especially after he's gone, where you can't really get his words. And with the dementia, you wouldn't have been able to maybe get what you needed anyways. But uh, what a nice way to sort of have him come into your book uh, every once in a while. Or Yeah, yeah. I also had a letter he had written to one of his nieces when her dad died, his oldest brother. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of information from there about when they were young kids on the farm, you know, what they did. And then my aunt had put together genealogy. So she, I took some pieces out of that too, about just how they grew up and what life was like, you know, during the Depression and him as a young man. So, it, you know, I, I was kind of fortunate I had those other parts I could fill in the gaps that I didn't know. Yeah. And and what a nice way to sort of emphasize how how much this affected the person that he really was. Right. Yes. And I, like I said, I, I wanted them to know, you know, he had a hard life growing up, but yet they had a lot of fun. They played ball and they had school plays and you know, their reward for selling a lot of newspapers to, was to go swimming as a group, you know, which is simple, but, you know, that's how it was back then. And, you know, just to show, and this, yeah, again, this amazing person was just overcome by this brain disease. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing how it, it changes everybody's life. Yeah. And it's interesting because I still do a little bit of dabbling with uh, elder care. And explaining, I actually just had somebody the other day say, well, you know, I can tell you about, you know, her. And I said, well, probably I'll learn that as time goes by. But the easy part for me coming in was I don't have any of that history, so I don't have expectations. And and that's, I, I don't know if you found that with your dad, was that you've got this lifetime of one person and suddenly, pretty quickly, this person is morphing into not that your dad right yep and I would think of him as the dad with dementia just so I could remember that you know my usual dad wouldn't have gotten mad and thought I was stealing his money <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, he adored his daughters you know the usual dad wouldn't do some of these other behaviors but the dad with dementia didn't know better and that was the reality he was in so, I mean, I would try to remember, this is the dad with dementia, and he's not really mad at me, even though it feels in my heart like he's, you know, not happy with me. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I remember that they've changed. So, so Louis ang- with angry with you, your dad isn't. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Interesting yeah. you mentioned about stealing his money, because my mother did the exact same thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You have a second book, uh, Remarkable Caregiving. Has it been released yet? It actually gets released November 2nd, so it's coming out very soon. Very soon, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. It's the stories I interviewed six caregivers in different situations, you know, to see how did they cope, what were their lives like. And it's both people who had children with disabilities, one with Down syndrome, and also with, you know, people who took care of their parents or a friend with a disability. So it, it's, I think it's inspiring. People are amazing. Yeah. Did you find similarities? Um, because you also took care of a foster child, and then you say somebody yeah. else had 
a child with Downs. Yeah. What parts of caregiving are similar? Just the workload? <laughs> workload and some of the creativity involved. Um, you know, the, the people who have children with disabilities, they sometimes have to find unique ways maybe to feed them or to get them to eat or they have to really work with the schools to get them integrated into the school. So, and it's kind of like that when you're with an adult, you know, every day is a little different when you're dealing with somebody with dementia or even like, you know, my mom with cancer, like things went really fast towards the end and you have to be kind of creative to help them be comfortable and help them adapt to life. So I think that's one thing that successful caregivers, they, they can find ways to address the situations and problem solve. How how many people brought help into the home? Like, did you bring help in or did you just cope with by yourself until you actually had to place your dad? No, we didn't actually bring help in. Although after my mom died, he was in kind of semi-assisted living. So it was apartment building for seniors, but you could buy extra services. Oh, okay. There was a nurse always there. So they would give him his medications and he would go down for meals you know, and they would check on them. So it was, it's sort of assisted living, you know, it was pay for the services. So it worked out well until he, then he went in a nursing home. Oh, okay. So you said that you interviewed six other caregivers, um, yeah. but you're also, a, is it a volunteer speaker? Yes, I'm a volunteer community educator for the Alzheimer's Association. Okay. So interviewing those other caregivers, has that helped round out what you can say about caregiving oh definitely because you know you learn so much from other people and you learn what people go through and several of the stories were with aging parents you know so I know what I went through in my personality but it helped me to understand from other people's point of view you know how they dealt with certain situations or how they felt or how they just kept going no matter what so that that helps when I talk to people as I'm you know, doing my presentations to kind of look at them. Yeah, they had a different experience. Yeah, I can see the value in that because, you know, like oftentimes caregivers are isolated or they become isolated. Yes. Or if you're just talking to one other person that you think, oh, they've done, you know, they're great. They're so good, such a good caregiver. And if your experience isn't the same, maybe you think you aren't as good. But just emphasizing, as you just did, that fact that, you know, everybody's experience is different. And really looking at it that way. Yep. Yeah. Like me, I'm I'm a good administrator. I mean, I do administration at work. I we have government contracts I deal with. So, you know, I could do the government paperwork, you know, apply for the medical assistance, apply for the veterans benefit. You know, I could organize medical things and that. So I mean that was really my strength. But I had other sisters who were, you know, more, you know, my one sister, she'd just show up the right time with soup. Or the other sister cut my dad's toenails, which I was like, you know, I'm not much of a medical person. So, you know, I, everybody has different talents and yeah. different ways of looking at things. And and such, again, I think we mentioned it earlier, but just so important to, to really call on those other people who can fill in the gaps that you don't have the space right. or the, the will to do. Yeah. So caregiving, and especially for someone with dementia, can never be summed up in just a conversation like this. Is there anything that you, you sort of would say to somebody that was either just entering this or was feeling tired? Like, what would you say to them if they say, oh, Nancy, I don't know if I can do this? <laughs> you know, I would say educate yourself. I love the presentations of the Alzheimer's Association put together. 
you know, because they have ones on how to handle certain behaviors, whether it be wandering or aggression or repeating, you know, they have ones on the 10 signs of dementia, you know, just identifying them. You know, they have some on communication. So I'd say, you know, whether it be the Alzheimer's Association or reading books or whatever, educate yourself on what it's like when a person has dementia and try to enter their world. I mean, it can be really frustrating if somebody asks you 10 times a day if they can have a cup of coffee or if their daughter's coming over or whatever. You know, so if you can just learn, you know, this is a disease, this isn't mom being, trying to annoy me. But that would just help so much. And to recognize, again, the symptoms and as they progress and get good medical care, you know, just get, get yourself as educated as you can. Yeah. And, and one thing I'll interject there, too, is just make sure you go to national organizations or something like that. You know, no, Dr. Google doesn't always cut it in terms of. Oh, no, you <laughs> no, definitely not. You know, go to reputable sources. Yeah. I found actually, strangely enough, Australia had some great resources. You know, Australia and the UK both have really, especially the UK is pretty advanced in Bluey Body. Oh. I mean, they have an, an association that I've followed and actually just found one in Australia too. But yeah, they do have some good information out there. So again, make sure it's a well-known organization. It's not, there's not secret medicine that's going to cure your loved one. It's probably not going to do that. So... <laughs> Yeah, pretty scary. Some of that is so scary. Yeah, it is. Where do people find you and your books online? So Dancing with Louie is available at Amazon.com, BarnesNoble.com. I think Indie, just all those places where books are sold. I have no way of knowing what bookstores it ends up in. I mean, I've looked at local Barnes and Nobles and I haven't seen it, but it could be in some smaller bookstores. And I also have a website, nancyrpoland.com, and you can order the books off the website. Um, And I'll ship them to you. Or if you happen to live in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, we can connect. (laughs) Yeah. And Remarkable Caregiving is coming out November 2nd. So you can reserve it right now on Amazon and they'll send it to you when it's released. And they're both available on Amazon, and I think Barnes & Noble is ebooks. Okay. Now, I also noticed a resource page with just a, a ton of links there. What's what's on that page? Yes. So, uh, nancyrpoland.com. Yes, I do have a caregiver resources where I've tried to find ways to help caregivers, Some, you know, a lot of national organizations, a few things like where I found products, which I don't necessarily recommend, but, you know, there are things you could check into. I have a friend who had breast cancer who did a whole hour video on how to help friends with cancer. She's kind of a comedian, which is nothing funny about cancer, but she is kind of humorous. You know, so just some fun things like that and some different things where you can find resources. And again, I'm just going to interject that, you know, Nancy is in the United States. In the United States, if I could get my enunciation. So any organization that might link via the American government or something, Google the same department in your own country, whether you're in Canada or Jeepers. I have somebody from South Africa who listens to. So, yeah, so many resources out there, but go with your own national resources just because, you know, if there's services or something, obviously you can't access services from another country usually. Right, exactly. 
And I, I think you can get like the Amazon books in some other countries. I'm sure. Oh, Canada, yeah, the books are fine. Yeah, they're the you know, I, but yeah, there. Yeah, so you all have your own resources in different countries, and you know that's to be expected. But some of the ideas, you know, will work anywhere. Yeah, you know, whether it be playing soothing music for your loved one, or you know, doing different kinds of activities. You know, people everywhere can do some of those things. Yeah, no, for sure. So do you have some activity type links for people with dementia? I think there are some links out on, on my care page on my website. So okay. dig around. As I say, I, I went there and I was like, holy crikey, which, yeah. which one do I click? You know, so there's I know, lots I know. of stuff there. <laughs> there. There is. So Now we were emailing recently and you said something about a book funnel. What is that? Yes. So I can give away 10 free books of Dancing with Louie. It, it's what's called Book Funnel. You would just email me at author at nancyrpoland.com and just mention this podcast. And the first 10 people who do that, I'll send a free copy of Dancing with Louie via ebook. Wow. So it's very easy. I send you the link and you just go into a website. I'll give you and you click on it and it'll let you download it, whether it be your Kindle or your phone or something. And I think that should work in any country, I'm guessing. Yeah, usually, yeah. Yeah. yeah especially so that, that would be, Yep, so that'd be the first 10 people who email me at author at nancyrpoland.com. And tell me if you've heard this so I can keep the yeah. next. Yeah, good. And needless to say, all the links that, I'll get all the links from you to be sure, but yeah. they'll all be in the show notes. Okay. Listeners, if you are currently caregiving or if it's in your future, or if you know someone who could use some support as they caregive a loved one, please do check out Nancy's website and the resources, as I just mentioned. There's lots of links on that page. If you have comments on today's show, you can leave them where you listen to podcasts or at twoboomerwomen.com forward slash join dash the dash conversation. Feel free to leave stars. They help us grow. If you would like to be a guest on Two Boomer Women or know someone who would, there's an application form at the website too. And don't forget, I have monthly man day now, too, if you know a man with a good message. Nancy Poland, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your insights, your expertise. You know, you said you weren't professional, but I think just, you know, when you've been in the trenches, you have that expertise and, and I appreciate you sharing it uh, with us today. Thank you, Agnes. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you and I wish you the very best with your podcast. Oh, thank you. Have a great rest of week. Thank you.